The title of today's message is, What's Love Got to Do With It? And I want to say you're welcome in advance for putting that song in your head for the rest of the week. The Bible has a lot to say about love. And it's so important that as Christians, we continually recalibrate our thinking with what God has to say about love because the world's uh, teaching, the world's definitions, the world's wisdom, so to speak, about love is quite off base. And we need to see what God's Word has to say on a regular basis, come back to the truth. I have two confessions for you this morning. One is a heartfelt, genuine confession. The other is a little bit embarrassing. The first confession is that I I preached my first sermon when I was about 16 years old. So I've been preaching uh, for about 20 years now. And I discovered early on that pastors don't have it all figured out. That oftentimes I have to preach on texts that I haven't been doing the best job at obeying and putting into practice. And it's awfully convicting uh, to be able to, to study one of these passages that God is just working overtime on your own heart over because you know that there's a lot of room to grow. And this is one of those texts today. And uh, just, just please pray, as, as you pray God to apply this to your own heart, pray for that for me. The second confession is the embarrassing one. Um, my, when I was about, uh, about seven years old, my very first uh, professional aspiration began to take root. I was certain that this was going to be my job occupation for the rest of my life. I, 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 I followed this sport. I was in, in, engaged in it and just, just in love with professional wrestling. And I was certain that one day I was going to be like my hero, Hulk Hogan, and be on the, the canvas mat uh, in front of thousands in, uh, in a little piece of underwear. And... Uh, <laughs> And my dad would take us to those matches, and we would hoot. Now, they're nothing more than a male soap opera, really, is what professional wrestling was. But back in those days, it was a little bit cleaner and, and a little bit more harmless. And, and so I would, I would watch some of these dramas unfold and the goofy infighting and everything, alliances being formed and broken and everything. And one of the, uh, one of the, the characters that I remember showing up in professional wrestling was one of the managers. And he, again, would bounce back and forth with some of the different wrestlers. One of the managers, I don't know if you remember this, it was a guy by the name of Brother Love. He didn't last real long on there, but the guy dressed up a little bit like a TV preacher. He always had a suit on, his hair slicked back, and his face was always bright red. And he always carried on and on about love and his, his catchphrase. He'd look at even his enemies in the eye and say, I love you. And you knew that it wasn't sincere, it wasn't, it wasn't heartfelt, it wasn't genuine. You just kind of felt icky when you, when you heard him say that. And unfortunately... In many of our own lives, we suffer from the, the same thing that Brother Love did. Love is not genuine. Our love is, is forced, it's fake, it's phony, and sometimes it's not there at all. And that's not the way that God wants His church to be. And in this passage in 1 John, we are going to see how He calls us as Christians to demonstrate the same love that He has shown toward us. In these verses we're going to read in just a moment, the word love is used 13 times. It's used almost 50 times in the entire book. It is an important theme to the disciple John. Let's read for just a moment 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, and then we'll unpack these verses together. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. As we read these verses today, the first thing I want us to see is that love begins with God. If we want to know anything about love, and we've got all kinds of definitions our culture throws at us. You can go anywhere and, and find a different thought, a different idea being communicated about love. But if we want to kind of do away with how our world defines it and say, okay, God, help me understand what biblical love is, we have to realize that it begins with God. It starts right there with Him because He is the source of all love. He is the source of all love. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love is from God. That's, that's, that's where it's derived from. When we're out in uh, Southern California and we go visit my in-laws out in the desert, one of my favorite places to hike goes back into this canyon, and it's about a mile hike back in there, and you're slowly kind of going up into this canyon as you hike back through the trail. And um, as you start off, it's, it's, a, it's a desert, so it's a very deserty climate. It's dry, it's dusty, there's brush and, and rocks and sand. But as you get further back in there, things begin to get a little bit greener. And what you find is that there's a, there's a desert oasis back there, and there's a stream flowing out of the rocks. And, and as you get all the way back in there, there's palm trees. And, and in the spring, when, the, when it's been raining a little bit, uh, there's a, even a pool that you could wade in, and it's incredibly refreshing in the heat of the day. It's just beautiful back there. Well, one time, I want to kind of get, see if I can get further back to see where this, this stream, this water actually came from. I wanted to find the source uh, but, uh, you know, we tried to climb back in there a little bit further, but once you get past the palm tree area, it gets really rugged and very difficult to climb, and because of the, the terrain and my lack of being in shape, I was not able to get any further back in there and, and climb and find out where the source was, where, where this, this, this water came from. Well, if we're wondering about love and where love originates with, we don't have to look far because the Word of God says it's derived from God Himself. He is the originator of love. He didn't steal somebody else's idea, pirate some other plan or some, others, some other author. All, all that is good and pure and true about love comes from God. Because the Bible tells us in verse 8, God is love. God is love. It's, it's who He is. It's wrapped up in His character. Remember when we talked about God's character a couple years ago, we did a whole sermon series on it. We discovered that whenever we talk about God's character, He doesn't 
He doesn't change attributes. He's not one thing one day. He's not love one day, and then the next day he's, he's wrath, and then the next day he's holy. He doesn't, he doesn't switch, uh, change it like outfits. It's part, all part of who he is. So everything he does, every act, every decision, even, even the things that seem harsh to us, God's judgment is all part of God's love being demonstrated. So when we want to get a clear definition, if you find yourself getting confused by the world's message of what love is, come back to God's Word. Read His truth. Look at God in action to be able to get clear thinking about what love is. It's impossible to talk about true love without first talking about God. He is the source of all love. Secondly, He is the revealer of love. He is the revealer of love. It's one thing if God said that He was loving, but we never saw it. You know, back when, uh, back when you're a kid and you're trying to out-brag your friends, and they're making up lavish claims about all the toys that they have. Well, I have this and this, and I've got that. Mine was, I like to collect baseball cards, and I had friends who were, you know, we tried to outdo one another. Well, I have, I have this and this and this. Well, show me. Let me see it. Come on, where is it? Well, my dad won't let me take it out. I can't show it to anybody. Right, you don't really have it. Because I haven't seen it. You haven't, you haven't shown me that card. You haven't shown me that guy's rookie card. You don't have it anywhere. You're lying. You're making it up. See, God could talk all he wants about love and, and never show it. And we could question maybe whether he knows what he's talking about. But the thing is, is that Scripture shows us that God has revealed that love. He has demonstrated that love in, in all kinds of ways. And this passage tells us that the supreme manifestation of His love is Him sending His only Son into the world for our sins. See, it would have been enough if God had demonstrated His love in other ways. I mean, think about it. Think about what He's done for you. Think about all the good things that He has given you. Just just think about creation for a moment. Think about what God has done, the loving thing that God has done in making creation so unbelievably beautiful. Think about the places you like to go. Where are the places that really move you, that really make you stand back and say, wow. Maybe you're a water person and you love to go to the beach and watch the sunset dip down into the water or go to the ocean and watch the massive waves crashing in diving and snorkeling under the water and seeing the, the crazy creatures that are swimming around down there, the, the beautiful colors of the coral. Maybe you're more of a, a woods or a mountain person and you just you drive through places like the Smoky Mountains or you go out to the, the Rockies and you just stand in awe. Oh, this is incredible, incredible. Maybe it's the, the stillness of your deer blind on a crisp fall morning. The beauty of a trout stream. The, I mean, the, the, the places in this world that display God's glory are all around us. The beauty of God's creation is all around. And you know what? He didn't have to do that. You ever, have you ever watched a, a movie that's maybe like a, 
a post-apocalyptic movie, you know, the, the nuclear bombs went off, and then the movie's about the survivors that are, that are straggling around on earth trying to eke it out. And, 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 and all the landscapes look the same. In every one of those movies, it's all just a barren wasteland. It's just a dust bowl of nothingness. There's no vegetation, and it's all flat and boring and miserable. You know, God could have created the world like that. But in his love for us, he, 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 he just, just splattered the canvas with beauty all over the place. That's love. Think about in creation, in Genesis, God looked and, and saw Adam there after he created all these things that were good. And he said, you know what? It's not good that, that man's alone. He created a helper for Adam. He brought Adam and Eve together and created marriage. God created that beautiful union because of his love for us. God created other people so that we could have friendship and companionship because He's loving. In His love, He gave us minds to think and to rationalize, to separate us from the animal world. He created us with souls. He gave us the ability to create beauty. That's love. Or think about individual stories in the Bible. Think about the the people of Israel, how he chose this nation. He could have picked any nation. He could have picked the Midianites, the Hittites, whomever. But he picked Israel to be his his own people. And then despite their rebellion and their idolatry and constantly running for them, he kept running towards them and calling them back to himself and forgiving them and restoring them and, 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 and on and on. His love was displayed. Or, or think about individuals, individual stories that you know. But David, I mean, this guy was the youngest kid in his family. You all youngest siblings, you know what it's like. You get left behind. Nobody remembers you. Nobody forgets you. You probably got a lot less spankings than your older siblings. But, but you're kind of just the forgotten kid sometimes. And David, he could have just easily got left by the The dad didn't even remember he wasn't there. Like he's got, yeah, these are all my kids. Oh, yeah. What's his name? David's not here. Go get David. And you know what? God used that guy, exalted him to be the greatest king in all of Israel. Why? Because David had earned it? No, because God showed his love towards David. Think about stories like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt or, or God saving Daniel from the lion's dead or rescuing Jonah from the belly of the whale. Jonah, Jonah deserved that. He didn't deserve to be rescued and set free, but in God's love, he did. He restored him. God's love is strewn throughout the pages of the Bible. He is the one who reveals love. But you know what? All of those stories, in and of themselves, are wonderful. But they all build up and point to the supreme act of his love. And that's sending his son, Jesus Christ. John Stott has said the origin of love is in the being of God, and the manifestation of love is in the coming of Christ. It tells us in verse 10 that He was the propitiation for our sin. That's a big theological term that I wish we had time to unpack, but it it, it basically is is explained to us that, that Christ stood in our place, that He bore the wrath of God so that we didn't have to. He became the sacrifice that was perfectly pleasing to the Father and paid for our sins. So we see in these verses that love begins with God, but that secondly, love should be shown by His followers. It begins with God, but then His followers should pick up the mantle and demonstrate it to the world around us. This is you and I. We should be be filled up 
and overflowing with God's love so that others are blessed. That's the idea here. Several things I want to say about this. First of all, love reveals a genuine faith. Love reveals a genuine faith. Those verses we already read, verses 7 and 8, were commanded, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. I don't know if John could have said it any more bluntly, any more clearly. If you do not have love in your life, let me tell you something, you do not know God. If you look at people that you encounter with, family members, people at work, and you have disdain, maybe even hatred in your heart, the Bible says that you don't know God. That's a scary indictment. I grew up in church. I went to Sunday school my whole life. I know all the stories. If you have hatred towards people in your life, if you harbor resentment, if you've got people you can't look at in the eye and you will refuse to talk to, this passage is telling us that we don't know God. He's not saying that we're saved by loving people. Don't read that into this text. The Bible clearly teaches over and over again that we're saved by faith alone, through Christ alone. But love should be an indicator. It should be an outflow of a changed life. You might be able to quote theology, recite Scripture, boast of your church attendance, or claim to be the most generous giver in the church. But if you do not demonstrate love towards your brother, you do not know God. You might remember the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul says, I can have all these gifts and I could, I could, even, I could, I could speak in the tongues of men and angels and, and even give my body to be burned. He said, I could, I could just be the greatest, most amazing missionary the church has ever seen. But what does he say? If I have not love, I am nothing, nothing. We can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. And do them without love, and it's all empty. Love reveals a genuine faith. Secondly, love is not optional. Love is not optional. Verse 11 in 1 John 4 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This passage is teaching, teaching us that it's, that it's out of sync with calling yourself a Christian and at the same time, claiming, or claiming, to take, claiming to call yourself a Christian, and at the same time, being unloving towards the people around us. In fact, verse 20 takes it even a step further. John just so bluntly says, if, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. <laughs> For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. John says, if if you call yourself a believer and you can't love the people that God has placed in your life, you're just, you're a liar. You're a liar. When we fail to love, we fail to manifest the nature of the one whom we call Father. It's out of sync with who we're called to be. A Christian who doesn't love 
is like a scrawny professional bodybuilder or a sprinter who doesn't run. You could say, I'm a world-class athlete. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the gold in Rio this year as a sprinter. You say, well, you see a demonstration. Well, I don't run. You think, why would you, why would you enter a competition to, to run if you don't run? It doesn't make any sense. The, the two are you know, out of sync with each other. That's what John is saying here. To call yourself a Christian and not be a loving person, it doesn't line up. It's out of sync. It doesn't make sense. Love is not optional. You can't be moved by the cross without also being moved to love your fellow man. Number three, love is not conditional. So we think about as believers showing God's love. We need to remember that love is not conditional. None of these verses here tell us that people have to meet certain prerequisites to be worthy of our love. That if you do A and B and C, then, then I can show you love. If you jump through these hoops, all right, fine. If you're nice to me, if you're easy to get along with, if you're a good conversationalist and never annoy me by the topics you talk about, fine, fine, I'll, I'll love you, that's great. It's not optional. There are no, there's no fallout plans here. There's, there's no, there, there's no uh, you know, loopholes. Love is not optional. We don't get to wait until people, people merit it before we show God's love toward them. I read a story the, this week about a little boy who demonstrated just that. Little Chad was a shy, quiet young fella. And one day he came home and told his mother that he'd like to make a valentine, valentine for everyone in his class. Handmade with love. While her heart sank, she thought, I really wish he wouldn't do that. Because she'd watched the children when they walked home from school, and her Chad was always lagging behind them. They laughed and hung on to each other and, and talked to one another. But Chad was never included, never a part. Nevertheless, she decided she would go along with her son. She purchased the paper and the glue and the crayons. For three whole weeks, night and day, Chad painstakingly made 35 valentines for his classmates. We get them at the dollar store the night before. Um, <laughs> Valentine's Day dawned and Chad was beside himself with excitement. He carefully stacked them up, he put them in a bag, and he bolted out the door. His mom decided to bake him his favorite cookies and serve them warm with a nice cool glass of milk when he came home from school. She knew he'd be disappointed. All these that he was giving out and it might be that he wouldn't receive a single valentine. That afternoon, she had the cookies and milk on the table. When she heard the children outside and looked out the window, sure enough, there they came, laughing and having a great time. And as always, there was Chad in the rear. He walked a little faster than usual. 
She fully expected him to burst into tears as soon as he got inside. His arms were empty, she noticed. And when the door opened, she choked back the tears. Mommy has some warm cookies and milk for you. But he hardly heard her words. He just marched right on by, his face aglow. And all he could say was, not a one, not a one. And her heart sank. But then he added, I didn't forget a one, not a single one. See, some of us want to get a valentine before we're willing to give one out. And God calls us to be the people, the kind of people, who love no matter whether it's reciprocated or not. Whether we feel like the recipients are worthy or not. Love is not conditional. And fourthly, love reveals God. Love reveals God. Verse 12 says something pretty amazing. It says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. John is saying that no one has ever set eyes on God. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It came up in a message. No one's ever physically looked upon God because all, in all of His glory and holiness, we, we, couldn't, we can handle it. No one has ever seen God. But what he's telling us in verse 12 here is that, that when we demonstrate love towards someone, when we make a valentine for someone who, who may just throw it in the trash, when we, when we serve a cup of cold water, when we prepare a meal, when we sit down next to someone and put our arm around them, when we show God's love, we are giving people a glimpse of God Himself. No one has ever seen God. But when we abide in love, His love is perfected in us. One writer says, the author's point then is that while no one can claim to have seen God apart from God's one and only Son, believers who love one another demonstrate that the unseen God lives in them. I wonder what people would say about you and I. And people clearly say, yeah, God lives in them. And I know it because of their actions. They're a Christian, most definitely, because I've seen how they love one another. As we close, I just want you to give you three characteristics of Christians who love that might just help us kind of be put on the right track as we go forth seeking to love one another. First of all, The gospel is precious to them. The gospel is precious to them. If we're going to start loving people and if we're going to grow in this area, the secret is not trying to work yourself in a frenzy, get up every morning and listening to the Rocky theme song, I'm going to love today, I'm going to love today, we're going to do it, it's going to happen. The secret is not running the notebook three or four times in the morning to get yourself going and finding out what true sacrificial love is. It's It's not about getting yourself amped up or psyched up. It's about looking to the cross and keeping your eyes fixed upon the, the true revealer of love. If you want to you have your heart set on love so that you're filled up and ready to give love, have your heart and mind fixated on Jesus Christ himself who gave his life for you and I, undeserving sinners who didn't merit it. 
and yet still chose to love. Those who love do so because they understand what it is to be loved and not deserve it. Second characteristic of a Christian who loves, sin is grievous to them. Sin is grievous to them. And here's what I mean by that. We all know that there are going to be times when we're not loving. Even the, the best, most godliest Christian you can think of is unloving to their spouse, blows it sometimes with a, a, a waitress at a restaurant that's not moving fast enough or, 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 or someone who gets under their skin at work. We all are, are going to be unloving at times because we're all sinners. But here's the thing. Someone who really wants to follow Christ, they're not going to be okay with that. They're not going to be able to shrug it off and just say, well, they were jerks. Well, she didn't get my food fast enough, so she deserved it. A true Christian is going to have their heart broken over sin. When, when God or a fellow believer comes and, and points that out in their life, their heart's going to break and they're going to go to God in repentance. God, that was, that was not loving. I missed that opportunity to show Christ and I, and I didn't do it. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Give me the grace to love next time. Sin is grievous to them. And then finally, faithfulness is a priority to them. Faithfulness is a priority to them. A Christian who wants to love is a Christian who is going to want to run his race well. To not love well, to, to love well maybe on Monday and Tuesday and then just coast the rest of the week. That, that's not what God's called us to. To do good the first 10 years of your Christian walk and then just, just flame and flicker out the rest of, the, the rest of your life. It's, it's not what God has called us to. Christians, we should desire to be faithful, to run our race well, and to finish strong. And that needs to apply to this idea of loving one another. Perhaps you felt like giving up when loving is hard. Your Savior understands how hard it is to demonstrate love. In the garden, the night before He went to the cross, as He wept and, and, and sweated and grieved and agonized, the weight of about what He was about to do was upon His shoulders. Do not think for an instance that Jesus walked up Calvary like it was easy. Demonstrating love was costly. And it's going to cost us. When we love one another, there are going to be times when we get burnt, when it's not going to be reciprocated. And in those moments, our reward comes from God and not from others. We need to remember that. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> Everything. Without love, we, we have nothing. It's the essence of the Christian faith. We have been loved unconditionally, supremely, unbelievably, and God calls us now to turn and, and give that freely to one another. Who are you having trouble loving right now?
Maybe it's someone under your roof. That happens. <laughs> Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's a family member that you're thankful is not under your roof, but God still called you to love them. Maybe it's uh, someone that you know God is calling you to talk to, but man, every time I call them, it's a three-hour phone conversation. I can't get away. God, I don't want to. It's hard. They bug me. May they know that we are Christians by our love. Let's make love a priority in our relationships outside the church and within. May God get all the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need help in this task (laughs) because it's a difficult one. And we're not perfect and we blow it and we mess it up. Sometimes, you, you know, our hearts, and if we're just flat out honest, sometimes we just don't want to. It's easier to walk by, to ignore, to, to brush somebody off. God, but you've called us to love, to point people to God by our actions and by our words. So give us the strength to do that. Help our eyes to be open to the blind spots that we might have, to the areas and and, and the people in our life where, where we haven't been loving so that we can follow in our Savior's footsteps and freely give love with without strings attached. Thank you, God, for the strength to obey your commands. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.